You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hey, everyone. I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to TFM's local books and comics show for Star Trek, and I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and so excited uh, to have with me, as he is pretty much every single time these days, which I'm so excited that that's the case. Casey Pettit, how are you, Casey? I am good. You know, I need a I need an intro for myself, like uh, Miss Drake Hoffman over on Owl Post. She'd always say, "Hello." <laughs> I need I need a I need a, a call sign or something to. So howdy. Everyone is, howdy, everybody. <laughs> uh, howdy, partner. Uh, anyway, um, apparently we're watching too many John Wayne movies. But um, well, we are uh, we are going to be a, a little southern today. Is uh, we're going to be back with Enterprise. So, and this is a very trip heavy book that we'll be talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, it's Daedalus. Um, it's the first book in that duology. So. Before we get uh, to anything else, though, just a huge thank you to everybody who's listened. We really appreciate it, and we hope that you have subscribed wherever you're listening, uh, wherever you're getting your podcasts of two. If it, if it's something like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can help us out with a star rating or a review, and both of those things would be appreciated. Uh, it really helps people find the show. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Trek FM. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. We're on Instagram at Trek FM. And find the listeners only discussion group called the Babel Conference, where you can join listeners from all over the world and discuss the shows that we're doing here on the network. And uh, if you uh, want to, you can always go over to the website at Trek FM and you can find a complete list of everything that we do here on the network, which is a plethora of podcasts. Uh, and of course, you can also uh, go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and become part of the team, like our associate producers here, Casey Pettit and Greg Rosier for the Literary Treks. We appreciate their support. And of course, we can't do this without listeners just like them supporting us each and every month. So become part of the team and make sure all of the podcasts keep coming to you. Patreon.com slash Trek FM. So, Casey, we do have a little bit of news here in that uh, the third issue of Adventures in the Th- 32nd century 32nd is, century <laughs> is out. Yes. Um, and... Of course, everybody knows I I don't watch Discovery, but I wanted to interview you a little bit about this issue and see what you had thought of it. And if um, is the stock rising for the the since this is the third issue or is it starting to decline? How are you feeling about the series? I would actually say that this issue is fairly well on par with the others. Um, 
it's doing the same thing that the other ones have done. And I think that they're going to do with all of them is focus on one particular character. Um, and now with three of them, I've, we're seeing that there, we've got three very different stories here. And, um, I, you know, I, I think it's, um, like I said, on par, the animation or animation, the, uh, illustrations, the drawing, the, um, art artistry in this is, um, kind of unique to this story, which is nice. Um, since I guess to get into the comic a little bit, it focuses on a young Kayla Detmer, um, who we all know is the pilot on discovery. And, um, this is really, whether it's a flashback or kind of, a, it seems maybe even kind of like a hallucination or a dream of adult Kayla when she's in sick bay. Um, but the, the art in this issue is, is she on spores? Uh, is that why be, she's yeah. okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cause at the end she's actually like waking up in sick bay, but uh, so it's, it's essentially like a, a dream sequence, but the, the art in it is really cool. Cause it's kind of a, um, more cartoon or anime style, I guess, or something that looks like it would appeal to, you know, if this was an animated Star Trek show, the animation would really fit, I think. Um, and, uh, it helps kind of tell the story. So it was, um, and, and actually once we get back into the quote unquote real world of, of, of her on discovery, the art gets a little bit more, traditional like we're used to seeing in the oh, comics okay. so excellent excellent so uh it sounds like you said this is pretty on par with the other two uh do you think the rating would kind of be around the same around a three or is this higher for you what do you think i think i'd actually give this one uh, a four out of five just because it's a fun whimsical story of of young kayla just uh, pretending to be a Starfleet captain, discovering new worlds and new life forms. Uh, an Orca version of King Shark kind of shows up at one point oh. uh, for DC fans out there. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just really fun. And, um, you know, I think with all the alternate covers that we have too, this one has some really interesting mm -hmm. ones. Um, you know, a friend of the network and probably friend of the show, Aaron Harvey does a, does mm -hmm. some alternate covers. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I mean, I would just give this four out of five. I would, I would even probably go as far as to say four and a half out of five. This is definitely my favorite of the three so far. Um, nice. Just given the, the whimsical nature of it and just kind of, uh, you know, who, who of us didn't pre uh, pretend mm -hmm. to be a Starfleet captain in our young days. This is very true. I mean, maybe we still do, yeah, uh, maybe. but who knows? <laughs> uh, well, that's great, though. I'm glad that you have been enjoying the comic, that it's it's continued to be consistent, which is always great when, uh, you know, uh, you are reading a comic series. And so hopefully that'll continue on uh, throughout uh, with the rest of the issues. Uh, but we are back in the Enterprise time period, which I'm so excited. So I, I don't know. Uh, let's see if we can hit warp five. What do you say, Casey? Let's do it. Well, I first very interested, Casey, is being back here with uh, the Enterprise series. And I know you've been making your way through all of the Star Trek books that have ever been written. <laughs> and um, so... For you, have you read a lot of the Enterprise books so far? 
Um, I think actually I've read all of them up till this point. I had, okay. this will be my okay. first, or this was my first time reading this one, but, um, and it's been a long time since I've read any of them. So mm-hmm. it was actually really fun to, I mean, I've read the, some of the newer, um, the Federation or the rise of the Federation. Rise of the Federation. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've, I've read some of those ones, but to get back to Enterprise during, I think this is takes place like right at the end of season two was, I don't know, mm-hmm. really fun because the characters are pretty solid at that point. And, um, just kind of fun to be back in that era again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's interesting because I don't think I have read any of the Enterprise books actually that weren't post relaunch. Mm. And so uh, it's interesting for me to be back in this time period to see as they are trying to fit in stories, obviously, during the series, which is, is always an interesting thing. I mean, especially when you go back to any of the, the series and you're reading like TNG or Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. or any of those, because um, there's there's not uh, as much that you you feel like the series can do. But, you know, this book, I think, has a lot to it. And um you know, like we mentioned there at the end of the news, this book really is is very trip heavy, uh, which um, for me was fantastic. Uh, he's one of my absolute favorite characters here with Enterprise, but we really put him through the ringer as a character, uh, I thought, in this story. And so first, it, how did do you like the his characterization and and what did you think of the story uh for him here as he is really left almost alone to deal with the situation that he and Hoshi end up finding themselves in yeah and actually just to kind of start off i i feel like i i i love the use of trip here i think he was the perfect character for the story um i mean it was obvious that the story was written with trip in mind but mm-hmm having having hoshi there didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because she she literally was in sickbay the entire book yeah she kind of showed up from time to time for him to check on her um but you know having this reminds me a little bit of that uh episode unexpected where he meets with Mm -hmm. and in fact i think it's even referenced in this book where he meets yes it is yeah like cerulean's or something like that Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so in that light, this just felt, like I said, like a perfect trip story and his being so far into the series, like this takes place, I think it's like with it, like between the last couple episodes of season two. So yes, for, yeah. like on screen, his character is very well formed at that point. And I really feel that from the book, like, mm-hmm. um, his, his mannerisms, like the little, you know, trip isms that he's got, like all his little colloquialisms right. that he keeps yep. having to explain. Um, and having him interact, I actually kept forgetting that these aliens were so close to or so similar to humans. Um, mm-hmm. But even more like that kind of helps the story and kind of a little bit of the love story make sense for him. And he's, again, the perfect character to have kind of those uh, Kirk moments, I guess, of, you know, meeting the the woman of the week and falling in love. So I am, um, you know, as a, as a trip story, this is definitely, I feel like, a, a really... A, a really well-written one. Yes. You know, um, I think you're absolutely right in the sense that this series, that this book was specifically, you could tell that the story is, is, 
is really a, a trip centered story uh, from the beginning and uh, very good use of the character. I think, like you said, uh, 100%. I, I completely agree with you in the sense that it, it felt strange that, you know, Hoshi is kind of along for the ride and basically in a coma the whole time. <laughs> it seems like just because they really do want Trip here on his own trying to figure things out, which. I thought what was great about the use of Trip here was the fact that he, in his mind, is thinking back to previous missions and and lessons that he has learned, actually. And his whole goal here is actually to try and not repeat the mistakes in the past. Um, and that's one of the things that I thought was great about this is because... He's trying very hard to do things differently, to be a character and a person that learns from his previous experiences, the things that he did well and the things that he can improve. And that's something that I thought, you know, especially with these characters, you know, in Enterprise, their whole lives, you know, and the whole series was really about them learning and growing almost more so than than any of the other series just because they had so much room to grow because everything they were experiencing was completely brand new and i really appreciated that david stern the author really put it seems like a lot of thought into the decisions that trip was going to wrestle with here and how they connected with previous missions and how he either might make uh some of the same choices or he might try and make different choices and and i just i thought that that was really well done yeah and especially kind of the main crux of the story being that he didn't want to get involved in the internal mm-hmm. conflict or the you know the conflict between these two races especially since one of them was pre-warp um, yes. and then the other one really only had um anything approximating warp drive because of this mm-hmm. kind of happenstance that this old professor of trips got transported you know 14 years ago to uh and, and was captured by these people and helped them create this mm-hmm. um what is it the cascading ion drive i think the sid lc yes <laughs> and the uh or or as i like to call it the star trek tie fighter yeah <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> And, you know, and, and we actually, yeah, and we made good use of the, um, the sphere ship or the sphere or the cell ship, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they yes. captured from the Sulaban, which was really uh, cool to see that I'd actually forgotten that they had that at any mm-hmm. point. Um, the whole time, you know, Trip had agreed to help repair, like do some repairs and even, um, make some of the, these aliens systems more efficient on their ships. But I did like the struggle that he had. It it seemed like a very good um, precursor, I guess, to the Prime Directive. And, um, you know, I think he, he mentions at some point that T'Pol keeps telling them, you know, they got to be careful not to interfere. And it seems like, like you said, that he's really thinking on uh, past missions and his current relationships on the sh- on Enterprise um, to think of how to deal with the situation and, and kind of like in the last book that we read with um, Sulu and Chekhov learning from Kirk and, and trying to deal with situations like kind of the, what would Kirk do? 
And I almost feel like Trip was kind of doing that this time. Like, what would Archer do? And what would, even in some cases, what, to, what would T'Pol tell us to be doing here? And I think um, nothing about that felt, I, I felt the pacing was right in, in that part of the story as far as like his, he didn't just jump right in and be like, well, I shouldn't get involved, but you know what? Okay. Like we, you know, we were kind of the cause of this anyway, or, you know, dragging out to where at the end of the book, we're still not even sure either. I think it, 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 it was paced very well through like for this story. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I really liked that you pulled out there was the way in which we see him having to wrestle with basically this first contact situation and the uh, a prime directive type of situation, even though, you know, they don't have the prime directive yet. It, it's definitely one of those things like how do I interact with the species and what can't should I do and what shouldn't I do uh, in light of where they are technologically. And what was interesting is that this reminded me a lot of the second episode or the first episode of Strange New Worlds where we're inadvertently responsible for having given these people technology that puts them on a level that we they shouldn't be at yet. Um, and this ties in specifically, this point of the story ties in specifically with the name of the book, Daedalus, and the cascading ion engine that Tripp's professor and mentor and a project that he was working on alongside of the other project that was happening, which is the the Warp 5 engine, these two ideas were competing for which one was going to be the engine that Starfleet was going to use. And because of what happens to the Daedalus project, which they think it blows up, mm-hmm. they obviously don't go with that engine. They go with the Warp 5 engine. What's fascinating is is that the reason that they aren't actually dead is because they create an anomaly and end up on this side of space and get captured by this warlord, um, and he steals the information for the Warp 5 engine you know, from their, their database, and then, of course, has Warp Drive. And that connects back to the beginning of the story where the Enterprise is going to explore this anomaly that they've never seen before. So it's just, he did a really good job, I felt like, Stern, of crafting the narrative here so that each of the revelations begins to connect back with different things that he's already been setting up so that by the time you get to the end of the story, like, Things make sense in the sense of where we are in the story and why uh, we are. And we're obviously left on a cliffhanger, but I felt like everything fit together pretty well. And I I wasn't having a lot of like lingering like, wait, what kind of questions? It, it felt really good, actually. Yeah. And I... It felt a little like kind of like looking back on the book. It was it felt a little contrived that um, the mm-hmm. cell ship just yeah. had to happen to have the same ion <laughs> yeah. drive technology that they were trying to develop mm-hmm. with Daedalus or Daedalus, yeah. and then he just happened to be thinking of 
his professor and then he just happened to like declassify some information for this particular ensign that had discovered the ion drive on the cell ship maybe you know like there was kind of a lot of yeah fortunate events but it it was easy to forgive a series of fortunate a events series of fortunate events exactly and um they it, that's kind of a, a common trope i guess in star trek that there are especially in star trek books i mean it, it gave us something for later in the book when we found out that that the professor was actually alive because if that was when we found it out we wouldn't care at that point but since we got that story and, and that knowledge at the beginning of the book that's it it worked out and it was kind of a nice explanation with the cell ship because it's so small that like how could it possibly even have warp drive it must have something else in order to be able to travel faster than light so you know and maybe that's just kind of the logical uh, alternative to warp that that um, different species use and and so i i actually uh, appreciated that and I guess I, I guess I'm saying I didn't get that hung up on it. I thought I would as, yeah, as the book yeah. went on. I thought I would get hung up on it, but I was like, you know, it's not so bad. You know, I, I think you're absolutely right in calling out, and and it's the thing that happens pretty much any time in storytelling. Really, when we think about it, is that there is this series of fortunate events that leads most of the plot, if it's done well, to all fit together <laughs> to make sense. And um, there was. There was a point in the book where I was wondering, okay, so what is this Daedalus stuff going to have to do with it? And mm-hmm. I, I actually, in my mind, was thinking, and I meant to to message you, and I didn't, so that so I could see if I was right. But I had very clearly in my mind thought, okay, the Warlord is going to be connected to the Daedalus project somehow. And then it turns out he is um, in the sense that he's the one who is responsible for finding the Daedalus um, and imprisoning uh, the crew members, uh, specifically the professor. Most of the rest are dead. One of them he's made his wife, which that's a whole other part of the story. (laughs) Um, And... So I was really glad that everything finally did connect, but I think you're right in the sense that there is there is a part of it that you're like, okay, maybe that's a little bit much, but I'm willing to let it go just because I'm finding the the storyline interesting enough. And one of those interesting parts is the fact that Duvall, who is a character that knew Jonathan Archer, that knew A.G. Robinson, um, was one of the top pilots and people in Starfleet, turns out to be the wife of this warlord, and we still don't have an answer as to what is going on in that part of the story, but that was a really interesting mystery to set up for the second part of this story. And I honestly have no idea where that part is going. Um, And I'm, you know, is it that, that, you know, they have joined the warlord because, you know, if you don't, I'll kill everybody or, you know, is it something like that? Or is it that they've, 
legitimately fallen in with this character and have kind of turned their back on everything that we thought that they were, that Trip thought that they were, that Archer thought that they were, that Robinson thought that they were, that Starfleet thought that they were. Um, you know, that that to me, just like I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit now to actually get to book two so I can figure out what in the world's going on with this story. Well, and yeah, so I've, that was one of those things that kind of came out of the blue, but even the professor was kind of like, you know, we, you think, you know, a person, you know, and, um, I, I, I've kind of got the same questions as you do on that. And I, I do wonder, is she, has she really gone to the dark side or did she see this as an opportunity to one, stay alive, but two, try to save as many people as she could, as, as you said, and is she going to be a pivotal part in defeating this warlord in the second book? I, I hope that there's an explanation for it just because otherwise mm. it seems so, I was going to say non-human, but at the same time, it's a very human thing to do what you need to do to survive. And, and for some people, that's what that might be what it was. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I would like to hope, especially since she was in those um, the uh, early days of Starfleet and, and, the, and the different faster than light projects that they had going on. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that she saw, is using it as an opportunity rather than. Uh, as an opportunity mm-hmm. to save lives rather than just to save herself because we've had those characters in the past in, in Starfleet that, you know, we got the Maquis or, or whatever, like the Maquis were at least trying to do something good, I guess. But, um, there's even, uh, captain or Commodore Decker in the doomsday machine who kind of just went crazy. Um, but, uh, I, I guess the only other thing that I can think of is, does she have something to do with the alternate timeline that it, they kind of introduced in the final pages of the book, you know, that, um, that, that, uh, that when they went through the anomaly, did a different version of her come out to where she was more amenable to uh, hooking up with this warlord. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it was kind of one of those things like to, to find out that there were any other survivors, and and that one of them's the captain who is now mm-hmm. in cahoots. It seems like with the warlord, it's a uh, it's a mystery for sure. One of the one of the things though um, that I'm wondering is that part of the story here was is the question of what will you do to survive? Because we have mm-hmm. this faction that's fighting against the warlord, and the the questions about what they'll do to try and, you know, regain their planet and regain their system um, is is a big question throughout the entire book. And there's so many things that they aren't willing to do, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it does really make me wonder if that's a question then that, you know, by setting up Duvall, you know, seemingly switching sides will that be it's something that has to do with that theme um which i think would be great uh yeah. because you know again it's it's a really important thing because it, it's also one that even trip himself is having to deal with with the situation that he's in you know um what's he willing to do here to try and survive not only survive but also hopefully you know be able to rescue uh, his uh, his 
friends and his, the rest of the crew um, uh, of the Enterprise. And so, um, yeah, I think all of that is where that could all fit together if it's done right in the second book. So, And I could actually see, knowing Archer and his stories in Enterprise and the uh, ladies' man that he tended to be from time to time, I could actually see if, if they got captured – well, we know they got captured. Um, in fact, the Enterprise mm-hmm. is being put into that Warlord's fleet. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering now that I think about it, if Archer gets in contact with her and if she has gone bad, if she broke bad, and um, if he'll talk her back um, to help them, or again, if that's where her true colors will be revealed that she is... Uh, true Starfleet or whatever, and will help Archer, you know, without any, you know, mm-hmm. extra convincing. Yeah, I mean, it it's all really, I think, interesting thoughts of where they can go, which is fantastic, you know, and and it's like it's it's good for them to have you know, that much story left to mm-hmm. be able to dive into a book too. So that's awesome. Um. I got to ask you about the fact that, you know, Trip does get himself into a romance here with uh, a married woman with the who is the wife of the leader of the planet that was taken over. Um, and the reason that that um, he's not quite all there is because he was tortured by this warlord um and it has basically um left him less than who he was in the sense that he can barely remember what he's doing he has trouble remembering the past at all sometimes even you know remembering himself mm-hmm. uh or where he is or any of those things and so he's been functionally gone for her um for a very long time and so uh, how did you feel about this story because obviously it's not something new for trip to kind of get into a relationship with somebody (laughs) but this one seemed a little bit different yeah uh, and and part of the reason well the part part of the way that it wasn't different was just that she was kind of coming on to him you know they were developing a mutual interest in each other um, kind of like he did in that episode where he got knocked up and um, he had met her husband it, unbeknownst mm-hmm. to him um, earlier in the book and yeah had found out that this guy had essentially been lobotomized but it was kind of a um, I kept picturing um, oh, what's the guy's name from is it Sloth from the Goonies you know like, oh. <laughs> maybe not as deformed but uh, like kind of just you know, mentally, you know, yeah, just wasn't all, all there because mm-hmm. he was essentially lobotomized. And, um, once he, f- especially once he finds out that she's married, he, you know, he's a perfect Southern gentleman. He backs off and she is trying to tell him it's, she feels okay with it if they were to pursue something, even though like part of his reasoning is like, as soon as we're done here, I'm going back to enterprise, assuming we save everybody and we'll never see each other again. So 
I know she's married and I'm not going to be around. What's the point in pursuing this? And mm-hmm. he, it's just, it's, it's another one of those places where the, the struggles that he felt inside, um, as he was going through this were so real. And also I feel like kind of true to his character that kind of the whole time, like I wasn't sure whether to root for them to get together or, you know, praise right. him for, uh, you know, being the gentleman and kind of saying, you know, I know you say that you're okay with this, but I'm not sure I'm okay with it. Um, I, even if your husband was okay with it, I'm still not sure that I'm okay with it. And, it was it, it's kind of one of those um great star trek things of you know what would you do and if you were in that situation where you were you know getting to know somebody and finding this connection only to find out later that they're married but their their partner is uh in a coma for the rest of their life you know or they're you know i don't know something and so um it's just kind of a nice moral quandary i guess for him to mm-hmm to explore amongst all of the other things that he is dealing with in this story. Yeah. I I think what is really interesting about the whole thing is, you know, this, this relationship is a choice that he makes knowing who she is. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he gets signals crossed and he kisses her, And then he is told that, you know, yes, that she is married. And then he makes the choice and they do together to, you know, get into this intimate relationship. And and so I'm really fascinated to see where this is going to go for Trip. And because it can't really end well. Yeah. And so is this just going to be one more mistake that he's made or, you know, will this be something else? And I'm hoping that it's something else, that it's not just, I mean, obviously it's a mistake because she's married and, and that that's unquestionable. Um, but I just, I, I'm really hoping that this isn't something that... Uh, we feel like, oh, well, we've seen that before with Trip. We've seen them already kind of do that storyline, and so therefore, I, we don't, we're not getting anything new. I, I would really love for this to be uh, something new for the for the character uh, and the lesson that he gets from it. Yeah, because I feel like they can't really just kill her um, because I feel like that would be almost too traumatic for him to then, you know, go mm-hmm. into the next episode yep. and, you know, if we're in our head canon making this, you know, canon. Um, and then, you know, we watch whatever episode comes after this and he's just our good old boy trip again. And, you know, like it, it has to have lasting consequences, something that would lead to whatever his character does in the show. Um, but not so damaging to him that his later, you know, we don't want a big red reset button that everyone talks about with Voyager, you know, at the end of this story with him to where, it makes sense that he's completely forgotten about her or mm-hmm. something. Um, yeah, I agree. He needs something to learn from, even if they break up, I suppose, um, amicably. Um, I hope that there's a, a reasoning behind it more than just, well, I'm headed off to Enterprise. That was nice right. knowing you. <laughs> yep. 100%. That wouldn't be that satisfying. Uh, the last, I mean, the 
the, the real big thing is is the revelation at the end I felt like of the book which is that we're in an alternate universe mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like it's the mirror universe yet or are we there I don't know and so that's something I'm really fascinated to find out is is that the Daedalus' creation of this anomaly had actually led them to a different universe. And so, to me, the question really is, is this the mere universe or is this another type of universe? Which, I don't, you know, I have no clue um, because it feels a little early for them to do the mere universe, but, and, and, that would seem weird then in light of in a mere darkly. And so, well, and you know, unless they do something like they did in discovery or they just classify all knowledge of, you know, this universe, uh, what I, I almost, what I'm thinking would work best is cause yeah, I feel like that kind of came out of the blue and th- that was kind of one of those parts of this story where I was like, did you throw that in here just to have a cool cliffhanger? Cause I don't really feel like it was needed because they were preparing essentially for, um, war really. I mean, like they, uh, after all of Tripp's struggles throughout this book, he's really decided that he is part of this crew. Um, he has been welcomed and accepted by them because he's helped them so much. Um, short of, building them a working warp drive, which he is flat refusing to do and just says, I I can't do that with what I've got here anyway. Um, So throwing, throwing in this alternate universe uh, came out of left field. I feel like Um, I would doubt that it's the mirror universe because like you said, it just, it, it doesn't seem like it would fit with anything else they did. I wouldn't put it past them because we hadn't gotten to those, like when this book was written, you know, mm-hmm. those episodes hadn't happened yet. Um, the other thing that I was wondering is maybe we are actually in the prime universe, but these people like this, the anomaly brought everyone else, you know, these, these races and their war to our universe, because mm-hmm. I know we're in kind of a, slightly unexplored region of space. In fact, I want to say that um, this was uh, a system that they were headed to that the Vulcans had just, they noted that there were systems there, but hadn't charted mm-hmm. them or anything like that. So, which enabled us to have this story with these new uh, aliens. But I don't know, like this is just another reason though, why, you know, as, as much as I feel like we didn't need this alternate timeline aspect of the story, it's just more reason that I'm, yes. I'm excited to get into the next book and find out what, what is the deal with this? Yep. Especially because yeah, the too. cover of the book, if you look at the cover of Daedalus, it's the, the wing. And mm-hmm. then on the next book, Daedalus's children, it's a wing that's like broken in half and on fire mm-hmm. or whatever. So like, yeah. a lot of intriguing things coming up with that, I think. Yeah. I, I think, you know, that it's, it, it's a nice tease. And, and mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, if it's done right, it could really pay off in that, that second book, which is what I'm hoping will be the case. Yeah. Um, so in, in a lot of ways, you know, I think much like 
Left Hampton Destiny, this is a series where it's predicated on how the story actually wraps up as to whether or not this book goes higher and or lower in my estimation, mm. which is sometimes difficult that, you know, you can't really just judge this book completely on its own. Um, but I mean, you know, in many ways, there are episodes like that. I, I would say like in any of the three part arcs you got in season four, it's like it's they go together. You yeah. know, it, it, you know, I'm not really judging one outside of 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 the three. So this really kind of feels like the same thing in that. So I, I'm not going to discount um, or or knock this book for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I feel like this book has given us enough mysteries then going into the second book to legitimize feeling like, okay, I, I need that second book, you yeah. know, r- rather than, Oh well, we just tacked on all the stuff, you know, and you could have really just wrapped this up in one. So that's a really good plus for this book as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Like having all of like, and I said earlier, like the pacing was just very good. I don't feel like anything was rushed or drawn out. Um, the fact that they were leading up to this big battle. As, as I got closer to the end of the book, I realized, okay, this is going to be a cliffhanger into like, it's not like we just have a sequel book coming after this. Like this is gonna kind of have a to be continued on it, which I, yeah, I completely agree that it, it makes it, it makes it a little tougher to, to judge this book without knowing how the story ends. Um, but yeah, I mean, because like the story is legitimately not done. It's not like we had a story that kind of wrapped up and then there were some threads hanging up. Like, no, the whole thing is is yeah. up in there. We don't have conclusions on anything yet, and mm-hmm. that's that actually kind of makes it more fun. And and because the book was good enough, um, you know, I'm I'm excited for the next one. I've I've there have been books yeah. in the past where it's like. You read the first book or, you know, you're like, eh, I'm not. Or even when you watch mm-hmm. a new TV series, you know, you watch the first couple episodes and you're like, I am not into this at all. Like, yeah. I, I can't continue 100%. just to see where it goes. I, I hate it when people tell me, oh, you just got to get through the first, you know, half of the book. And then the second half is really good. Well, I don't want to get through the first half of the book. Like, I don't want to have to, like, slog through it just to see how it ends, you know, like if I. And so, like, this one, you know, like it was, in, it was a pretty quick read and. um did you know did what it was supposed to do i think yeah i agree well i mean what would you end up rating daedalus so i i landed at uh three and a half uh cascading ion engines uh drives l sids you know i i i had a hard time you know trying to think if it was you know a four or higher just because of uh, so some of the writing did as, as easy it was to read like some of the writing was a little um i don't know how to say it like not great <laughs> um like i mean even like the use of hoshi was a big one for me like i every time she popped up i'm like why is she here mm-hmm. like I, I would assume that it's gonna be something that that plays in the next book but i, would, I really wish they he would have given her something more to do and stopped calling her ensign hoshi throughout the whole book it was like <laughs> it, it was almost like he didn't know her name but um mm-hmm. but other than that like i mean 
there was actually one quote that I actually highlighted because it was so good. It was, um, the, I think it was the doctor was thanking trip for all the work he was doing and he was being super humble and was like, uh, don't mention, you know, like it's, I, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's what I do for a living or whatever. And she, and uh, she said that, uh, everyone on board eclipse has lost a loved one to this war. So please, if others do offer their thanks, try to think of what they might be feeling before you answer. And I just thought it was like a, one other good part of this book that, I mean, I, cause I think I was going to land on a three, but then brought it up to a three and a half because like things like this in the book, this had like great Star Trek lessons in it, like this lesson of humility or grace or something like, you know, when a person says, thank you, you know, a proper response is you're welcome. Not like, ah, don't mention it. It was nothing, whatever. Like don't downplay their things. You know, it was just, I thought really a uh, cool lesson in that. And, um, and, and there, there were those kind of scattered throughout the book. So mm-hmm. as I'm talking about it now, I'm like, oh shoot, should I have done the four? <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to stick with a three and a half though. So how about you? Where were you, where were you at? Yeah. Um, I, I went with a three for this one. And part of that is because, you know, it really is dependent on how, the, the next book goes and I, I reserve the right to raise the rating for this one if that book does land um, well and so but I mean you know I enjoyed all of the moral quandaries that Trip find himself in I enjoyed the fact that you know this book is really about him and him trying to grow and become a better version of himself and again sometimes failing in that which I think is interesting to have characters who still have these type of flaws that we're able to follow and so I'm very excited to see where we go next so yeah this this book definitely hit that enterprise spot and now I'm ready for the next it is so good to be back in the Enterprise era and, um, you know, reading some of these older books again. And I know we've got some other old ones in the future. So I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to our, our docket of books in the future. And, uh, you know, like you, you have mentioned before, and I was saying too, like the second one of this one and wherever else we may go from there. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely excited, uh, for, us to to get to the the second book in this series and and this one um did enough to to make me want to read the the next and i think that's awesome and so i can't wait to see what happens and like you i'm enjoying being here with the crew of the annex 01 um and i'm excited because you know we're about to dive back into warp 5 and we're going to be in season 2 which is this time period so really excited to, to be in that as well but uh casey uh if anybody wants to catch up with you of course and see what else you've got going on outside of literary tracks where would they find you you can find me on goodreads letterboxd twitter and instagram at knitting trekkie and i'm also uh, lurking around in the babel conference from time to time on facebook and you can also find me on uh, another podcast called Mickey's Marvels, where we discuss anything and everything under the Disney umbrella. We just talked about Moon Knight uh, recently, too. So Ooh, check it out. Nice. 
Yeah, we're we're about to do that on the 602 Club, so that'll be super exciting to, to listen to that. So uh, you can find me, of course, all over the network with so many different shows. Um, pretty much the only show that I have been on these days is Interface, so uh, 602 Club, Saddle Up, Warp 5, and uh, the Artificial Tango, all of those. Check those out, I hope. Uh, you can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network. There are two shows there. One is called Owl Post. Casey mentioned what I did with Drea Kaufman where he talked about every single cap- chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. And Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast there with John Mills. But, as always, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.